Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. after the hour. Hey, good morning. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, usually the producer, but today guest hosting as Carmen and her family are off on a blueberry hunt. Again, reflecting back on Carmen, one of her constant questions is, where in the word are you? And I want to alter that question a little bit as we start out the second hour here. Who are you in the word with? And right now, This year I've been doing something uh, I haven't done before. Maybe you've heard of Morning and Evening, the classic Charles Spurgeon devotional. And so even though Charles Spurgeon is now with the Lord, has been for almost 200 years, he, um, wow, uh, left us some great thoughts and you get to walk with him through these thoughts. And yesterday, last night, the evening one really hit me, so we're going to do it this morning. I know it's not where you're supposed to do it, but... He was focusing on Psalm 72, verse 19. Now, if you know about Psalm 72, um, it is the, the last of the second of the books of Psalms. The Psalms are in five different books. And this one has an interesting end to it, because every time you get to the end of one of the books, almost, I'm sure if they're true, the fifth book, but anyway, it says, Amen and Amen. Well, verse uh, chapter 72 is the end of the second book of the five books of the Psalms. And it does that amen and amen. Then after that, it says, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. This is likely the last psalm David wrote about or for his son, Solomon, right before he died, right before Solomon was officially the new king. And yet he's looking forward to something else. And that's what Spurgeon brought out. This is a large petition. Actually, let me read. He focuses on the phrase, May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Spurgeon writes, This is a large petition. To intercede for a whole city needs a stretch of faith. And there are times when praying for one man is more than we can handle. But how far-reaching was the psalmist's dying intercession? How comprehensive, how sublime. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Not a single country is exempt, even if it is crushed by the foot of superstition, which does not exclude a single nation, however uncivilized. For the terrorist as well as for the civilized, for all places and races, this prayer is uttered. It encompasses the whole circle of the world and amidst no one. We must be up and doing our ma- uh, doing for our master, or we cannot honestly offer such a prayer. The petition is not asked with a um, the petition is not asked with a sincere heart unless we can uh, unless we endeavor with God's help to extend the kingdom of our master. There are not some who neglect both prayer and work. Reader, is is it your prayer? Turn your eyes to Calvary. Look at the Lord of life nailed to the cross with crown of thorns upon his brow, with bleeding head, hands, and feet. What? Can you look upon this miracle of miracles, the death of the Son of God, without feeling within your heart a marvelous adoration that language can never express? 
And when you feel the blood applied to your conscience and know that he has blotted out your sins, you are not a man unless you jump from your knees to cry, may the whole earth be filled with his glory, amen and amen. Can you bow before the crucified in humble adoration and not wish to see your monarch, the master of the world? You are pretend, uh, You only pretend to love your prince if you do not desire to see him, the universal ruler. Your piety is worthless unless it leads you to wish that the same mercy that has shown up to you may bless the whole world. Lord, it is harvest time. Put your sickle and reap. Put in your sickle and reap, that is. <laughs> you know, I... I, I when we talk about, you know, wanting to expand the kingdom, are we really thinking about that to, to help people come into that saving knowledge of Jesus, expanding the kingdom that way, and then letting it work out in our life? That's been something that's been heavy on my heart, and Spurgeon really slapped me across the face last night as I was reading that. I always appreciate a little bit of Spurgeon. I also appreciate talking with some of the folks at Plugged In because, you know, we live in a world where we're seeking, yes, we're trying to work, but also find meaningful and hopefully entertaining entertainment. Is that a redundancy? But anyway, Paul Ace from Plugged In will be joining us next here on Mornings with Carmen. That walk on music lets us know we're talking entertainment, and Paul Ace is joining us from Plugged In. Hey, good morning, Paul. Good morning. So nice to be here, Paul. This is a double dose of Pauls, apparently. So. Yes, uh, we already made the appalling joke, so we'll just uh, you know, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll, we'll move there. on. We did that off mic. Anyway, yeah, people are going, "What are you talking about?" Okay, it's a okay. I guess we have to say it now. Uh, you know, with <laughs> Paul Ace and Paul Perot, it's an appalling half hour of. Radio. Okay, just move on from wah, that. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, so, wah. so appropriate, we might be talking about the Muppets. That feels like a Fozzie Bear That joke is a right Fozzie Bear joke if ever there was one. So let's talk about the Muppets. There's a new iteration <laughs> of the, the Muppet show called Muppet Now that was just released about a week ago on Disney+. Plus. Now, just a little background. Uh, this past week... I, I, my wife and I watched Disney Treasure Island. She had never seen it. I consider it the last of the good Muppet movies and shows. <laughs> Seriously, because anything that come, I, I've really been disappointed in the stuff that's come out since. That's just me. But anyway, you too are a, uh, a a connoisseur of all things Muppet. So, I, yes, it is really true. I really am a connoisseur. I, the Muppets, you could actually argue, raised me. You know, because I grew up with Sesame Street. I remember yeah. watching the old, old, old Muppet show with my family when I was just a wee little one. Um, so the Muppets have been a big part of my life for a long time. And and, and like you, Paul, I've, I've been a little bit disappointed with uh, with some of the latest iterations. I thought that the I think there was a 2015 version of the Muppets that came to uh, ABC, which Really, I felt was a, a very sor- sorrowful and sad rendition of of what the Muppets were. Mm. Uh, it, it had Kermit and Picky splitting up. There was a lot of adult type angst, and it felt very, very mature in the worst sort of way. You know, 
this particular version, Muppets Now, which landed on Disney Plus, is a nice callback to the original Muppets in a lot of respects. Uh, it had some really funny moments. I really enjoyed uh, some of the humor, a lot of the characters, uh, the repertoire, the 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 the, the chemistry that, that the Muppets always seem to have with whoever is guest starring is kind of amazing to me. I don't, I don't quite know how they that the guest stars can can feel like they have such a good time with these with these puppets but they always seem to and and i found that that parts of this show were pretty delightful now the thing is the muppets have always been sort of this bastion of diversity right yeah just true. by just by their very nature you know there's pigs there's frogs there's bears there's chickens there's there's a lot of there's a gonzo <laughs> there's a gonzo whatever he is there's an animal, whatever he is. So there's a lot of diversity here within within the cast of the Muppets, and that's that's a great thing. But I do think that that as we've moved into the 21st century, I found it interesting that it seems like a, a, a couple of the Muppets have have come out of the closet, so to speak. Uh, RuPaul was one of the very first guest yeah. stars, and I think that 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 does make for an interesting statement uh, by Muppets now. It feels very much the same, and yet it felt like the show is also very gently pushing a pretty strong agenda. Yeah. So that was part that was disappointing to me. I mean, I agree with you. There was a lot of hails back to some of those classic bits, um, even though it was a slower pace, I thought, than even the old show. But yeah, yeah. when that part came on, it's like, okay, I see what they're doing, and it was overall friendly to hear, but... There's that background message that was very hard. So, well, and it's one of those things where I think that parents just need to be aware that as they walk into this show, there may be times that the show actually spurs some conversations that maybe they weren't ready to have with their kids just yet. Um, I, again, I, I don't want to 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 bash Muppets now unfairly um, because this is the way the culture is just going. I, mm -hmm. I think that this is, we are seeing this in, in a great many children's shows now. Um, but I think the parents need to be aware that, that, that the Muppets, the franchise that they were maybe familiar with as, as kids, uh, the, the, the treasure Island Muppets, so to speak, um, they're, they're just different now. And, yeah. and you just need to be prepared for that as you walk in. Okay. I want to hit a couple more of the movies that are out there that are on streaming, because this is all streaming stuff right now. And another one that came out recently was Umbrella Academy. Tell us about that. Yeah, Umbrella Academy. Actually, it's the second season of a, of a Netflix series that just dropped. It's number one on Netflix. It's hugely popular. Uh, this is... Uh, essentially, it's a continuation of of obviously the first season, but it's also a continue. It's it's also the story that that originally uh, was created in comic book form, uh, as so many of the most popular shows are nowadays. It was migrated from from a comic, a graphic novel. Uh, it, it features these seven super powered siblings. They were adopted a long time ago by this rather problematic scientist named Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Uh, uh, he he raised them to be sort of this superhuman team, and when they were teens, it worked really well. Now they're all adults, and they all have lots of baggage from what they, what they experienced. And uh, as as time goes on, we find that they don't necessarily get along very well, and 
as we see in the opening of the second season, they seem to have accidentally caused the apocalypse a couple of times. They <laughs> destroyed the world. Hate it when that happens. I hate it when that happens. Thankfully, to the magic, through the magic of of obviously sci-fi, time travel, and whatnot, they're able to to sort of change the the future that they have helped bring about and try to make a better future. But it's it's always a struggle. This show is obviously incredibly popular on Netflix. You don't land on number one on Netflix's queue without without having a lot of eyeballs on on what you're doing. Um, and it's pretty well crafted, but man, is it problematic. It's rated TV 14, which means that Netflix thinks that it's okay for 14-year-olds and up to watch it. Um, plugged in would probably beg to differ with that rating. Um, it can be very harsh. There's a lot of profanity. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of adult-oriented content that you just have to wade through. And there's also some some can be a little bit of squishy spirituality to, to deal with as well. So there's there's a whole bunch of issues that you have to sort of wade through for this show. It's one that because it's so popular, there's probably going to be a lot of teens that are interested in it. But I would advise parents, moms and dads to definitely check out the plugged in review before checking out this show. All right. Well, we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mulan. Now, we've been waiting for a lot of these summer blockbusters to finally hit the theaters. And, well, Mulan may be released by Disney, kind of, sort of. Well, we'll talk about that in a few <laughs> moments as we continue Mornings with Carmen. This is Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul Perot filling in for Carmen with Paul Ace from Plugged In Magazine. He's filling in for Adam Holt, so I, I guess it's sub day here. <laughs> <laughs> we won't take that person. No, 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 we won't. Hey, there's one more show I want to talk about, something new that um, is streaming, and this one is definitely aimed at the younger audience. It's called Work It. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is aimed at the younger audience. It's a, it's a teen-centric show, actually. Uh, the movie is about this, this woman named Quinn. She's a high schooler who really wants to go to Duke University for some reason. And she really is looking to increase her... Um, her her college resume essentially she she knows that it's really hard school to get into so she wants to add a little bit of pop so she decides that the best way to do that is by joining her nationally recognized high school dance troupe the only problem is is that she can't dance worth a lick so she has to actually talk her best friend into dropping out starting a new dance troupe that she can learn sort of how to dance on the fly and win this great competition to, to increase her chances of getting into Duke. So obviously the, the plot is not exactly hugely deep, uh, but it does have some nice messages. It has some, some nice thoughts about um, perseverance and friendship and, and some good thoughts along the way. Now, unfortunately, with everything that seems to be aimed toward teens these days, especially on the streaming services, it comes with some problems. Uh, there's a lot of sensuality, obviously, since it, it's a dancing uh, movie. There's going to be some some sort of sultry dance moves, some inappropriate clothing, um, some sort of sensual asides, if you will. And there's a really strange scene where the main character actually prays to Beyonce which I was not expecting, uh, but there it was. 
And so this has some some issues that parents need to be aware of. It's not it's not nearly as bad as some of the other things we we have seen lately that are aimed toward teens. I think we talked about the kissing booth too uh, last week. This is a much better a much better movie than that. Um, but if you're looking for High School Musical, this ain't it. Okay. Well, I want to turn uh, shift gears here because we have been waiting, Paul. I know you have to get back into the theaters to see those blockbusters. I mean, I've been waiting for Wonder Woman, too. I liked the original Wonder Woman movie a few years ago. That was phenomenal, and I'm oh, hoping yeah. they continue that. But because of COVID, things have been delayed and delayed and delayed. Well, Disney finally said, okay, we're going to release Mulan, the live-action version of that classic Disney cartoon. But explain. (laughs) It comes with one big caveat. Yes, they got tired of pushing uh, pushing Mulan down the road, down the road, down the road. It's been one of the the, the live action remake has been one of the, the most anticipated releases by Disney this year for sure, or was going to be. Uh, but with with the COVID situation the way it is, they just decided, no, nah, we're going to drop it on Disney Plus. And with that, every Mulan fan stood up and cheered and until. Then, until Disney said, and we're going to be charging you $30 to rent it. So this is a big price point. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that if we were going to the theaters, if we were taking two or three kids to the theaters to see Mulan, we would not blink at a $30 charge, right? I mean, you buy the tickets, you buy the popcorn, you buy the Coke. Uh, it's going to be uh, much more than that, really. But I think that that the home environment, it's just a different thing. And you think about paying 30 bucks to to rent a movie, it feels a little bit unprecedented. And I'm not sure how many people are actually going to be flocking to to pay thirty dollars for for Milan. I think that they may might wait to buy it for twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really interesting question. I'm going to be very interested to see how it does, actually. Yeah, that that will be interesting. And I'm just also the the question. You, do, okay, first off, you also already have to have a Disney Plus membership, if I understood correctly. Am I correct, right about that? Correct. Oh, you're, so, you're so really, okay, you're already paying that monthly, you know, six ninety nine, and then you're paying for this to rent it for a few days. Um, how has the rest of the industry? Have you heard how they're responding? You know, I really haven't. I think the rest of the industry is actually watching and waiting to see if this is a viable path forward. You know, because I, when you look at the entertainment industry now, the, the entire uh, world of pop culture is so much in flux. And so many of these creative movie and television producers, they're sort of looking to see what the next template is going to be, mm-hmm. especially movie producers. are. Are movie theaters going to come back? Are they going to come back as strong as they once were? Do we need to look at other platforms to drive the entertainment that we produce to the public? And how can we make that worth our while? I mean, movies are so expensive. You can mm-hmm. you can easily drop a hundred million, two hundred million dollars to 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 make a movie these days without without batting an eye. So you need to make that money back somehow. Is this a viable option to make that money back? And so I think the industry is just saying, well, let's see. And maybe they're rooting for Mulan to be successful in that way because. Man, I tell you what, they—they're just—they have bills to pay, like everybody else. Of course, right. it's on third and fourth houses, unlike us. But 
but there's still the bills have to be paid. Okay. I was hoping we'd have time to get to an article up at uh, pluggedin.com or .org. I keep forgetting. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Because with the Christmas season coming up, new consoles, finally, the PS5 and the X series of Xbox and X iteration, is that's coming out. And I tell you, I know it's going to be on a lot of Christmas lists, but you already have a preview of some of that um, on the PluggedIn.com website. So I encourage people to go there. Hey, Paul, thank you again for joining us. Always a pleasure, Paul. Good talking with you. All right. This is Mornings with Carmen. Good Friday morning. Thanks again for listening to Mornings with Carmen. As you can tell, I'm not Carmen. I'm her producer, Paul Pro, getting to sit on this side of the board today. And when we next up here on 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 uh, Mornings with Carmen, maybe you've used the phrase when you're saying goodbye to somebody and they're off to do something. Godspeed. Have you ever used that? Because you want God to speed them on their way. I guess that's kind of the the origin of the greeting. Well, this actually begs the question: What is God's speed? We're going to talk to Mark Buchanan in just a few moments. He's the author of a new book called God Walk. We'll talk to him here on Mornings with Carmen next. Short memories harden the heart, so make careful note of God's blessings. This is Max Lucado. Declare with David, I will daily add praise to praise. I'll write the book on your righteousness. Talk up your salvation the lifelong day and never run out of good things to write or say. Catalog God's goodnesses. Meditate on them. He has led you and earned your trust. Remember what he's done for you and acknowledge what you've done against God. The scripture says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Sin hoarding stiffens us. Confession softens us. Is your heart hard? Take it to the Father. You're only a prayer away from tenderness. You live in a hard world, but you don't have to live with a hard heart. This is Max Lucado. This is Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I'm Paul Pro filling in for Carmen today, and I have the like the honor right now to talk to Mark Buchanan. He's the author of a new book called God Walk. A good morning, Mark. Uh, glad to have you yeah, here on morning. Mornings with Carmen. Uh, you, you've written a lot of books about uh, spiritual rhythms and and formation and like that. So, and this one really, wow. I, I, I as I'm scanning it, I have to say I haven't read it all the way through yet, but it was really, really, really touched me in many ways. Uh, part theology, you say, part history, part field guide. Hey, as we talk about this book, just first off, for our listeners, I have copies to give away. So if you text the word book, B O O K, just that to our number, 877-933-2484. We'll kick you back a message where you click a link, you can get in on the drawing because we have several copies to uh, give away. But, hey, Mark, as we start looking at this uh, this book, The God Walk, uh, you, you touched me right out of the gate with a story about your friend, Norm. Tell us about him. Yeah, very good friend. And he uh, was a man in the church where I used to pastor, 
and in an instant he went from full mobility to being um, quadriplegic. Mm. Uh, a bit of use of his hands, his horse threw him in a kind of a freak accident. And I learned so much from this man who couldn't walk about actually walking and about the benefits of walking. So I begin this book on walking with him. And then later I have another chapter near the end uh, called For Those Who Can't Walk. And I return to his story. Mm. Yeah, and it really, because... Now, you've been a walker for a long time. You talk about that even as a kid. I mean, you and your yes, brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell us yeah, about that. I, I always loved, well, I, I just remember, I mean, maybe those were different days, Paul, but, you know, when I was five and my brother was seven, my mother would pack us a lunch and send us off up into the hills. And <clears throat> it wasn't like we were going into the Himalayas or into the Amazon or anything like that, but we'd probably trek up uh, a, a couple, couple or three miles, just the two of us. And so from a very early age, I, I got this experience of, of looking and, and, and tasting the creation and relationship through the act of walking. Mm. And I, I remember some of the stories because you said you found a old sawmill or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> we're a bit older at that point. We used to go on, on weekend hikes when we were in our early teens and again, my dad would drop us off at the edge of the wilderness and off we'd go. And we found this abandoned sawmill and there's this massive, really a mountain of of sawdust. So we got up and we rolled down. We just had a great old time, but we didn't realize that that stuff gets, you know, into your skin. So oh. that night it was, oh, it was just terrible. We were in agony all night. So, you know, that's you know, maybe it's a metaphor for sin, you know, moments of pleasure and then, you know, the the, the, the pain that would follow. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that brings up an interesting point because you, you spun it there. You, you, you took that you took that event right. and you spun it into the whole thing about sin because, OK, yes, we're talking about walking, but we're not talking about the physical benefits per se, even though there are plenty of those and you do talk about that. But. You also talk about walking as a means of spiritual formation and spiritual discipline. And one of the things you jump out at with is that three-mile-an-hour principle. I want you to expound upon that. Yeah, it, I, I, several years ago, back in the 70s, a, a Japanese theologian and missiologist by the name of Kasuko Koyame wrote a book that at the time was quite famous called The Three-Mile-An-Hour God. And Koyama was uh, observing how Western style th- um, styles of, of church and theology actually weren't working within an Asian context, that we had such a fetish within the West for haste and efficiency that it really didn't work well in in contexts where there was more of a contemplative uh, tradition, mm-hmm. and he so he began to do some of the best reflection on what would it look like to to speak the gospel, and particularly he was working within Vietnamese contexts, and so he he came up with this term, the three mile an hour God, and three miles an hour is approximately the pace of walking. And his claim was that God moved slowly. He, he formed us slowly. 
and that some of the ways in uh, North American Christianity that we're trying to make it happen quickly were actually undermining the effectiveness of discipleship itself. Mm. Actually, you, you pivoted to a phrase, or kind of a phrase, called the speed of love. Yeah, that's actually Koyama's again. He um, says that uh, God moves at three miles an hour because that's that's the speed of love. Mm. And, th- and, you know, think about it, Paul. I mean, w- whenever we we want to really uh, go deep in a relationship, we slow it down. Good in our point. marriages with our parents uh, or our children with with our neighbors the only way you can do significantly deep relationship is you have to slow it down mm. and we're going to once we cut back from break I want to look at scripture and look at some of the famous i guess you could say walks that right. are that <clears throat> illustrate your very point so we'll be back shortly again we do have copies of god walk mark buchanan's new book all you have to do if you want to in on the drawing is text the word book to 877-933-2484 this is mornings with carmen This is Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I'm Paul Pro filling in for Carmen today and got the joy of talking with Mark Buchanan, author of the new book called God Walk, Moving at the Speed of Your Soul. And Mark, I love the fact in your book, you're, you're not only saying, you're, it's not just contemplations about it, but you do a little bit of Bible study in there, you, you into the theology about some of the famous walking or walks in Scripture especially by Jesus, and hopefully we can touch on a few of those, but the one I want to make sure we talk about is the road to Emmaus, because that is an interesting walk. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, This chapter is Luke 24. It's only in Luke, and these two disciples, one's named Cleopas, and we don't know the other, and they are moping about, they're they're on this, uh, it's about a seven-mile walk we know from Jerusalem to, to Emmaus, and they're not not moping. They're crestfallen. They're just devastated because they uh, they've lost. They, they they've watched the crucifixion of Jesus, and so they're on this walk, and this stranger comes alongside and begins speaking to them, asking them why they're so sad. And slowly, slowly, as he as Christ unfolds, as Christ beside them unfolds the scripture they begin to feel their hearts warming inside. But it takes the entire journey and finally sitting down and breaking bread with Jesus before they recognize it's him. And I use that. I, I love that story. I've, I've probably in, in I've, I've got 10 books and I think probably three or four of them. I've done some exploration of that story because it seems to me that it's saying something not only about the historical moment, but about your and my moment where often it's uh, Christ is right with us, moving and explaining and ministering to us, but it takes us a while to wake up to it. And it's really in, in that, and the, the way I use the story in God Walk is it's it's sort of through the walking that they discover mm-hmm. this one who is alongside. Yeah, I mean, couldn't he have just? I always thought, why don't you just say, "Hey guys, look, I'm here," uh, but no, he didn't do that. He he entered into their into their agony. He entered into their confusion, into that crestfallenness, as you mentioned. And he yeah, it, 
Yeah. It's a, it's a be- beautiful picture because I think that, again, if we take that and say, well, what does that mean in my moment if I'm in a place of, of bewilderment or hurt or devastation? And it gives us hope that says uh, Christ is here with us and his first move is not to say, hey, 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 don't worry about it. Uh, I'm right here. His first move is simply to be present with us and begin to stir something, uh, renew something within our heart and within our mind. So he does both. They, they say, weren't our hearts burning within us? But it actually says that Jesus is opening the scriptures to their <clears throat> to their minds. And so there's a sense where Christ is always present and even in those moments where we're least likely to sort of identify him or sense his nearness, and yet it's not, there isn't this sort of obviousness to it. It's something that we, we often discern and figure out on the other side of. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you talk about some of other Jesus' famous walks, and it's interesting to me because now you say that Mark is your favorite gospel. I wouldn't say my favorite. I think it's my favorite about, you know, the, in terms of portraying Christ as the walker, mm-hmm. the one who, whose primary mode. I mean, obviously, you know, all the Gospels touch on that, but it's Mark that has Jesus zipping about the place, constantly on the move, and usually choosing the longest distance between two points. Oh, okay. That's the point, because when I read Mark, the thing that jumps out at me is his word of the use— and immediately, immediately, immediately. And it's like there's no leisureliness about it, but you're pointing out the opposite. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually 42 times that Mark uses that phrase, and it's a coinage all his own. It doesn't even make grammatical sense in English. Um, uh, it's straightway. Straightway is how we might translate that. Mm-hmm. Straightway, straightway. So it does have that sense of urgency. And and so there is this sense that Jesus is always on the move for certain. So it's not so much leisurely, but there's also this sense um, that there's a lot of ground to cover. And again, if you plot the itinerary, the geography of Jesus' movements, it, it doesn't make any sense in terms of efficiency. True. He's not he's not sort of finding the shortest route between points. And it's not entirely clear from the narrative why he would choose the long way. I speculate a bit in the book about that, that, that in, in some ways I think he's, he's doing the deep discipling work with his disciples through the walking with them. And therefore, he's choosing these longer routes so that he can you know, pour, teach them, pour into them, mm-hmm. show them, shape them, etc., so I, I do think you're right. There is a sense of urgency about it, but there's also this sense of, let's go for another walk, guys. We've got stuff to work out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, now let, let's just transition if we can, because, and we're talking, by the way, of the Mark Buchanan, his new book, God Walk, and if you'd like to win a copy, we have several we're giving away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. As we try to apply this, I mean, Bottom line is, it's about our spiritual formation you wrote this book. It's about us becoming more like Christ. To be immediate or, uh, you know, having that intentionality to go slow, though, which is the hard part for especially us Westerners. It's hard. Yes, it really is. And I I think that, um, I mean, I'm very much 
a man of my culture and my time, Paul. So I want to go fast and I want things to happen quickly and I want maximum efficiency in everything. And yet uh, over and over I, in my own life, in my own experience, and certainly through my saturation in the Word of God, I, I realize that God is in no particular hurry to get the deep work done. Um, and, and, and no particular historical hurry. I, I have a chapter on that. Like why we look at a lot of historical moments, the Exodus I particularly hold up, and ask ourselves, why didn't God sort of move more quickly on many of these things? Now, some of it's human stubbornness and resistance, but some of it is, I think, I, let me just say this. I've been building a kayak during the, the COVID period. <laughs> oh, and, man. And, and it's so fun, and so, but it's so slow, and yeah. there's no way you could hurry it up. There's no way. If I tried to hurry it, I'd ruin it. Right. And, and it, so it's just this, this slow, and and it's, you know, and it's intimate work. I'm down in the sticking my head in the in the in the in the hatches of the thing, making sure that little ridge is sanded off. There's simply no way to do that quickly, and I think that's the same with our souls. And I think that's the same in our relationships with others, to have that long view and just the slow process, that committed process. Yeah, very much. Yeah, no, and I, I do think the things that matter most when you think of them are our relationship with others, our of formation of into saints, being made into saints, mm-hmm. which is the goal of, of the, the Lord. Um our service at a church, none of this really happens in any quick snap, snap your finger way. Mm-hmm. Uh, patience. <laughs> Not good at it, but I think there's a reason for it. Anyway, hey, Mark, thanks for joining us this morning. Again, we have copies to give away, 877-933-2484. Text the word book to that number for your opportunity to win. Mark, thanks for joining me this morning. Paul, a real joy. Thank you. Yeah, blessings. Well, it has been a joy being with you. I'm Paul Perot filling in today for Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. She'll be back in on Monday. Hey, I want to touch on something real quickly here, uh, partly because my wife is a second grade teacher and uh, partly because as we're dealing with this COVID era that we're in right now, uh, maybe your school is having you buy uh, for your kids or grandkids hand sanitizer. Be where now hand sanitizers that are regularly purchased are should have what's called ethyl alcohol in it which yeah same as you can find in ethanol or whatever yeah it's it can be toxic but not so bad well be careful because there have been many products of hand sanitizer that say ethanol on the label but have actually methanol which is wood alcohol which is highly toxic. There have been some injuries and such and deaths. So if you go to the FDA's website, they do have information about what products to avoid because they've been mislabeled. They've been keeping track of this as we try to keep ourselves during this COVID era, keeping ourselves safe. Very important to keep on top of. Well, again, thanks for joining me. Uh, Remember, all our shows are podcasted, so you can go to MyFaithRadio.com, listen to them there, or better yet, subscribe. That way you never miss an episode of Mornings with Carmen. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.